for listening to the Life Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for any other messages or other resources, please visit us at lcboise.com. Man, church on Monday night, 15 years, hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful that we can gather around His name, magnify Him in these songs, we worship Him, we magnify Him. It's so proper and right. It doesn't matter if it's retro, vintage, or whatever it is. Uh, it's all about Him, all about Jesus. If He be lifted up, He'll draw all men unto Him. So, man, somewhere, someone's prayed for all of us or we wouldn't be here. So we're here on Monday night. And uh, uh, just as Pastor Sharkey said, it's so good to be with you and get to see uh, Jay and Tammy. Gosh, I've known you guys forever. Haven't got to be in that many meetings with you because we're always going this way. I know you guys will have an awesome night tomorrow night the next night. And uh, so good that you come. There's just something about your pastors being so normal. I said that the other night. I say that every time. You can invite anybody in and know they're going to be changed. Yes. I mean, you have, your pastor has a hidden agenda to strengthen you, to bless you, and to help you. And, and, and it's so good. So uh, I, I can't wait to see what all happens. I believe you'll have a train stop here and a conveyor belt from the, where the train stops. And they'll come in and catch their... And they'll just come by on their, on their way home. Why don't we go to church for a few hours and then go home? Uh, nothing would surprise me, and uh, I, I remember when, when uh, being in the other building, and then you brought me over here to the front of this building, and I saw it, I thought, man, uh, uh, what a cool place, a harvesting barn for souls, so uh, you've done a wonderful job, and it's just, it's cool, too, it's not doofus, you know what I mean, it could be, it could be like, nah, it's not cool, it's just, it's just neat, and uh, so it's neat, it's wonderful, you can invite anybody in, so I know uh, you're hungry, and we're, we're going to be changed. Uh, you can't stay the same hanging out with Jesus. Everything about him lifts you up. Everything about him. I believe tonight we'll see him high and lifted up, this train filling the temple. We'll see him as exalted as God. So soon we're, we're going to see his eyes as a flame of fire, feet like undefined brass, voice of many waters. So what a, what a treat to be on the planet right before Jesus comes back to the earth. So I know we have a lot to do in a short period of time. So preaching on end times, so the Lord had, to, had me do that last time and then last night, is to accelerate your pace. To, to, to finish your race faster the, the, the last lap flag is out So you hustle You pull out all the stops You get crazy You get wild The two minute warning happens in football you, you don't think about how tired you are You don't complain You don't murmur You got to score And that has to get into the church a, a two minute warning mentality To pick up the pace And let's do more in a shorter period of time So hallelujah We're blessed aren't we So grab your Bibles And uh, once again turn wherever you think I'll turn We'll see if you're flowing Praise the Lord Go back to Luke 21. I'm going to do just a minute or two of review, and we'll get right into the Word. So sure, sure appreciate you coming tonight. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for 15 years, Father. Thank you for, for what is to come, what is to transpire. Hearts being altered, souls being uh, uh, rescued out of hell right here in this building. Thank you for divine favor for this church, Lord, in this region, in this, in this community, in this, this county, Lord. Thank you for divine supernatural favor and uh, enveloping this church in favor. Father, amplify your voice through this place, Lord, I ask you. I ask you that every person in this room, they finish their course with joy. Looking unto you, Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So, so with great expectation, Father, we, we want to do your bidding in the last days. Speak through every person in this room. Minister through every person in this room. May they be an extension of, of the hand of God in the earth. I thank you for that. We thank you for supernaturally awakening us to the equipment that you've given the church. The wonderful name of Jesus, the word of God, the glory of God, the tangible anointing. We thank you for a fresh baptism. 
baptism of every person this week that would be a renewal of what we're called to do, a renewal of vision, a renewal of boldness to walk with God. We thank you for it, Father. We're so appreciative that you gave your son, Jesus. So, Jesus, we magnify you tonight. Receive the honor that's due your name in this room. And, Father, we'll, we'll magnify you as we get into these verses about your wonderful return to the earth. We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Grab your Bibles, and let's go back to Luke 21 for just a second, and then we'll k- kick into what we're going to get to tonight. Luke 21, look at verse 24. You know the verses. I don't want it to be too boring for you, but let's back up a second. Luke 21, verse 24. said, They'll fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles, or nations, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. We talked about that every service in the Six-Day War when Jerusalem was won back. We can see Jesus tied everything to that one event there. When you see Jerusalem won back, time is up. So he helps us with that verse in verse 29 to see what he's talking about. gives you a little more light. So look what he says in verse 29. He said, Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth or bud, you see and know of your own selves that summer our harvest is nigh at hand. I like that. I remember Kenneth Hagin years ago talking about a spirit of seeing and a spirit of knowing upon the church. Where did he get that? It's from that verse right there. An attitude of seeing and an attitude of knowing. Why? If you know how near it is to the coming of the Lord, you pick up the pace. If you didn't think he's coming back for all kinds of time, you go, well, I'll relax. Like, why mow the grass today when I can mow the grass tomorrow? No one in here would ever do that. But anyway, that went over real good. Good night, everybody. (laughs) Wow. Drive safely. Start the car. I'll be right there. Come on. No, we have a tendency to go, why hustle today if we can hustle tomorrow? You're running out of tomorrows. So here Jesus gives us some information. You can see and know of your own selves that summer our harvest is at hand. And look what he says in the next verse. Likewise, when you see these things come to pass, run into the wilderness and get all the brownies you can and all the macaroni you can. No. He said, likewise, when you see these things come to pass, know, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. I hear people all the time go, well, you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. You can if you can read. Okay, why? Because he gave us all the signs. He gave, why, why would we get into this? The precision of the first coming of the Lord? For every one verse there is about the first coming, there's eight times more about the second coming. The precision of it. Born in Bethlehem of the tribe of Judah. Preceded by a messenger. Uh, given away for 35 pieces of silver. That would go into a potter's field. Uh, and then he was buried in a rich man's tomb. Entered into Jerusalem on a colt. <laughs> he, he was given away by his friends. He was, he was, uh, they gambled over his robe, worn a crown of thorns, pierced in his side. It got dark while he was on the cross. He was raised from the dead. You know what the odds are for all those to happen in one generation? It's 480 trillion times another billion times another so hundred million trillion. It's, it, what it comes out to is 433 with, with 80 some odd zeros after it. Even in science with so many zeros, it's absurd to think it happened by chance. So the flawlessness of that first coming, and you're watching the setup for the second coming. You're watching nations get into position for the King of kings and the Lord of lords to come back. So last night we talked about that a little bit and got into the rapture of the church. Uh, Let's talk about the signs for a second, and then we'll talk about the rapture for a second, and then we'll get moving into what we're going to get into tonight. So uh, you got the Hebrew language restored in our lifetime, Ethiopian Jews brought back. You've got the fertility of the land of Israel. You have the revival of the Roman Empire. You've got the Temple Mount Institute. You've got the 170 different species of predatory birds. I mean, you've got nature getting in position. You've got earthquakes in diverse places. You've got uh, so many more. You've got men would be lovers of themselves. We have selfie sticks. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. I think I'll take another photo of myself. Hallelujah. 
But, you know, the things that the Bible said the climate would be, uh, that, that, that people wouldn't be hungry, you're here on Monday night. So you've pressed through that. So you're here to hear the word. Last night we got into, there's many more signs, but you, you got, we got into the rapture of the church, just like Enoch, just like Elijah, just like Jesus was caught up. We will be changed. This mortal will put on immortality. I'm looking so forward to that. Man, never to gain weight again. Come on. Amen. <laughs> I'm so excited about that. It'll be good to be with Jesus, but woo, hallelujah. So... There's so many wonderful things to look forward to. And as we get into tonight, I want to get into tonight about your future. Once you see how wonderful your future is, it gets you bolder about right now. Because the rapture is not an ending, it's a beginning. I hear so many people go, well, I don't want the Lord to come back because i got so much in my heart. It's because you're going to live forever. You're not done when you're raptured. It's a beginning. So we've got to get out of this mindset of playing harps and floating around for the rest of eternity. Uh, we're going to get into that tonight. We're going to get into a minute of the second coming, and then we'll get right into the millennium. And once we see what God's invested in this last generation, right now you're tasting of the powers of the world to come. So if tasting is good, what's it going to be like to really operate in the fullness of that? It's going to be wonderful. Hallelujah. I mean, I've had a taste of pizza, but that just makes me mad. I want the whole pizza. Hallelujah. Last night we had some pizza, and man, I could have kept going. I had to make myself stop. There was more, but wasn't I just so diligent to say, I pushed it away from me, but the pieces were a pretty good size. I basically had my own pizza. But anyway, uh, uh, to taste it, I think I got lost there for a minute in that pizza. Praise the Lord. Come back. No, it's almost annoying to taste it. You want the whole thing. That would be rude. Here's a taste of pizza. No, I want the whole thing. So... So as blessed as we are now in this dispensation, if we're tasting of these things, how much more the fullness? So there is a fulfillment coming for the believer. So we'll get into that tonight. So let's pick up with some verses and talk a little bit about the second coming and then get to the millennium. So go over to Matthew, if you would, and let's start there for verse chapter 25 or chapter 24. You pick out a chapter. We'll see if you're flowing. So go to Matthew 24. Now, now, this is a condensed version of what we'll get into for a little bit because there's so many wonderful verses about the second coming. I mean, Zechariah shows you a graphic picture of the second coming. Uh, Isaiah shows you many. Uh, uh, Joel shows you many. I like the ones in Zechariah 14. It's like the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, when their faces are melting away. That came from Zechariah 14. So, so there's different pictures in the Bible of what it will look like and how radical it will be. Because all of a sudden, the earth that God created, the place that he put his man on, he's going to come back to dwell for a thousand years. And he's going to move heaven down to earth after that. So there's some protocol for the earth getting ready for this event. The Bible talks about the stars of the heavens uh, being altered and an earthquake at the second coming. There's no more mountains. It's so violent. Everything's uh, bowing in adoration for the author of life himself to come back. So there's great preparation naturally, spiritually, and for the believers. So let's, let's look at this. Look at Matthew 24. Buzz over to verse 27, and we'll get right into this. Matthew 24, look at verse 27. For as the lightning comes out of the east and shines even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So the second coming of the Lord is going to be pretty dramatic. Whereas the first coming was under the radar, second coming is going to be like lightning. I've never seen lightning that was casual. It was always pretty scary. Amen? So it's going to be pretty bold. And then he goes in verse 29 and says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. The stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man 
I like this. And all the tribes of the earth shall mourn, and they'll see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with great power and great glory. Now this is cool in verse 31. It's really different than what we think. But he said, He'll send His angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they'll gather together His elect from the four winds or one end of heaven to the other. This is really talking at the second coming. Remember at the rapture of the church, the righteous go up to meet Jesus in the air. At the second coming, we bodily come back with Him. And the wicked are taken off the earth at the second coming. Remember, Jesus said, I'll let the weak grow with the tares, and at the end of the age, I'll let the angels be the reapers. Now, he's going to explain that here in just a minute, but watch what he says in verse number, skip down to verse 38. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, till the day that Noah entered in the ark, knew not till the flood came, took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, one shall be taken and the other left. Now that's not the rapture, that's the second coming. People preach so many verses about the second coming, and they're really, he's, he, I mean, they they're, they're think those are rapture verses. But look at the percentage, one's taken and one's left. Even after the church is taken off the earth. You talk about a preaching thought pattern, you talk about a sign, all of a sudden a billion people disappear, there's going to be a great harvest. The Bible says there's a 200 million man army at the end of the tribulation, but the number that gets saved right after we're raptured is innumerable. If you can number 200 million, but you can't count how many it's going to be, that's going to be a lot of people get saved. Why? We all crave a sign. The earth's about to get a pretty good sized sign. The church is going to depart. We're going to disappear. So even with that, after seven years of signs, we talk about the tribulation being the judgment of God. Really, it's seven years of pressure on people to make a decision because they, they wait till tomahawk missiles are coming at them and they go, hmm, I might make a change. I mean, think about it. During the tribulation, people are fishing. We're not catching much. Well, I guess not. The water turned to blood. You got asteroids hitting. You got all kinds of changes happening to put pressure on people because sometimes people are so hard-headed they won't make a change until they have to. So the earth's going to go through a seven-year period of pressure to get people to change. It'll almost be like hell on earth, but it's better than going to hell forever. So I call it the mercy of God, even though it is a time of Jacob's trouble. The Bible says that Jerusalem would be a cup of trembling for all nations. So you're watching the setup for all this. We, I don't have time to get into all that's happened last week and the week before, but something's happening every single week that points to the Ezekiel 38 war. And that happens right after we're raptured. So you say, well, the Lord's coming back really soon. Yeah, I believe we have some time, but not a lot of time. Thank you. I'll come preach to you, Jay. So anyway, what I think is, <laughs> I think what happens is we get caught up in this thought pattern having a lot of time, but we really don't have a lot of time. Right. I, I mean, what, what's five years compared to eternity or ten years? So really, we're at the edge of, a, the edge of heaven awakening the church. And you know right now, unless you're hungry, you won't really get it. That's what I like about your pastors. Your pastors are, there's two keys to revival, hunger and humility. And you know that the Barney Fife anointing has been so big in the church. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I had a miracle last week. And that's not like your pastor. So God can do some things when we have that hunger and humility. Amen. Now, we've all seen that. Come on now. Everybody starts walking different when they, you know, when they start having miracles and they think differently. Like, oh, yeah, the Lord used me last week. <laughs> well, no, it's like the donkey riding into Jerusalem. Come on, Jesus riding in. It's not the donkey. It's who's riding on the donkey. Amen? So the earth's got a wonderful seven-year period that we call the Great Tribulation, but really it's pressure on people to get born again. 
So you see the percentage at the second coming is 50%. Just like when Jesus was on the cross, you had one thief get saved, the other thief did not. But I'm getting into this for a minute because it's going to set you up for the millennium. So go to chapter 25. Run with me just a little bit. Chapter 25, look at verse 31. If you've got a Bible like mine, it's page 37, so I know we can get there. Here we go. Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory... And with all the holy angels with him, he'll sit upon the throne of his glory. Before him shall be gathered all nations. He'll separate them one from another. His shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. He'll set the sheep on his right hand, the goats on his left. Then the king shall say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So what happens at the latter part of the tribulation, the natural people that are born again enter into the millennial reign of Christ. And he, and he separates them right there. How they've treated the Jews during that seven-year period, are going how the nations are set up, sheep nations or goat nations. But that's a big deal to you because those are all the natural people you'll be reigning over that when Jesus is sitting right there on the throne, You'll be telling people, hey, when they have kids, you need to get born again. So for a thousand years, you're going to be preaching to people. There he is right there. He's glowing. He's radiating. You want to get born again. In the ages to come, he'll show forth his goodness and his kindness to those that first trusted in him. We trusted in him when we couldn't see him. They're going to have a thousand years to see him, and still people will reject him, even with Lucifer bound. So that's what I want to get into because your function is not going to stop after the rapture. So let's keep moving. Buzz over to Revelation and let's go there for a second. How many still glad you came tonight? Amen. How many glad you're here not in jail? Come on. All right. Here we go. Church better in jail. So go to Revelation 19. Let's look at this for a second. And we want to get to the millennium. It just takes me a minute to get there because I want to give you a little bit of scripture because I know it's a lot to go into one service. So everybody say caffeine. Hallelujah. All right, look at Revelation 19. You know these verses so well. You're very familiar with them, but I want to get somewhere. Revelation 19, verse 11. I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse. He that sat upon him is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. Wow. His eyes were as a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name's called the Word of God. Wow. And the armies which are with him in heaven, that's you and I, followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that he would smite the nations. He'll rule them with a rod of iron. He treads the winepress of the fiercest and the wrath of Almighty God. He hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Wow! What an event! You know, uh, think of all of a sudden, <laughs> we're going to go to the reward seat of Christ, we'll go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, and then giddy up. We're going to get on a horse, and I don't know what, what position we have. I've heard different people talk about that, but you talk about a view of the second coming. We're going to be in line like this on horses coming back, and, and Jesus is going to be at the head of the line, and there's going to come a light down from heaven, brighter than any light's ever been on the planet or in the universe, and the earth's going to see this brightness coming at it. The Bible says that Lucifer is obliterated with the bright of his coming and my friend what a view what a spot what what a spot you have you've got a ticket to ride you're going to be buzzing right back toward heaven and you're going to see nature you're going to see humans you're going to see everything bow in adoration to the king of kings and the lord of lords oh man that first time he was mocked he'll not be mocked this time (laughs) There, there there will be humility at the second coming amen even creation will bow in adoration for the king of kings and the lord of lords Wow. Get that in you, how, how he's God. God himself coming back to the planet. Wow. And we're here right before it happens. We're so blessed. So I want to get to what I want to get to tonight, so let's buzz a little more. Go over to chapter 20. 
<laughs> just takes a little bit. Uh, uh, we'll get to it, though. Chapter 20, verse 1. Amen. Verse 1 of chapter 20. And I saw an angel coming down from heaven. Don't you love this? Not a team of angels. Not a crew. One. An angel coming down. Verse, chapter 20, verse 1. I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold on the dragon, the old serpent, the devil, Satan, bound him a thousand years, cast him in the bottomless pit and shut him up, set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. Then after that, he must be loose for a little season. So, man, what a wonderful event. Lucifer gets locked up in this pit. I'm going to go over to the edge of that pit and I'm going to start throwing stuff. All the garbage I can find, I'm going to be unloading garbage on him. Because the Bible says we'll look at him and go, that's who deceived the nations? Oh, come on, come on. We Jesus defeated him 2,000 years ago. You're, you're, the, you're the previews of the millennial reign. People should look at the believer and see the victory you walk in and go, man, I know what the millennium is going to look like. Well, he's under our feet, isn't he? Amen. So this event is the beginning of the millennium. How cool is it that it starts out here in, in total righteousness? The natural people are righteous. You're glorified, bodied righteous. You're ruling over them. We'll get to it here in a little bit, the, the sphere of influence you'll have. Remember right now you're writing your resume for what you'll be doing during the millennium? If you're faithful over so much, you rule over two cities. Faithful over so much, you rule over ten cities. I've said it many times. I'm from Louisiana. I don't want to be using a weed eater during the millennium. There's Brother Joe. No, I want to be ruling and reigning, not, not you know, doing brush in Louisiana. Come on. So here, the millennium starts out perfect. You've got Jesus on CNN. You've got Jesus on Fox. You've got Jesus on, on MSNBC. Come on. You've got, you got the talk shows in the afternoon. won't be Ellen or Dr. Oz. It'll, Paul will probably have his own talk show. He'll prob- probably interview Pastor Mark. What was it like to pastor in the last days? And he'll go, well, we talked about who we were in Christ. We talked about that you showed us we've been quickened, we've been raised, and we've been seated. Oh, come on. And the Lord's going to show off the church because some people might be whining during the millennium. And the Lord's going to go, look, my church defeated the devil while he was physically on the earth. What are you whining about? He's locked up. So it's going to be Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the afternoon, Jesus at supper time. It's going to be awesome. So let's go look at a little bit of this, and it gives us a glimpse of what, what you'll be doing. If you can see what you'll be doing, it makes you accelerate right now because you're not done. Go back. Let's look at nature for a minute. Let's just buzz through a little bit. Go to Isaiah chapter 11. Look at Isaiah chapter 11. Let's look at a few points about the millennium, and then we're going to get to your job. Isaiah chapter 11. Because, you know, you don't hear a lot of preaching on the millennium, but there's quite a few verses. But some things you just kind of have to, you can't be real definitive about, but some things are real clear. So look at Isaiah 11. Look at verse number 4. Look at verse 5. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 5. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, faithfulness the girdle of his reins. The wolf will dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. You'll see a, a lion with a kid on a leash. I mean, you'll see a kid have a lion. You'll go to the park and go, whoa, here we go. It's a lion. I mean, it may take us a little while to figure out that that lion's not going to hurt you because nature's altered the moment the Prince of Peace comes back. Okay, think about that. Right now, a, a lion wants to kill somebody. He feels no remorse. That's why it's called the Mark of the Beast. He's like a beast. But all of a sudden, when the Prince of Peace is here, 
You have nature being changed. Where kids will go out and have a, a lion on a leash. I'm going to have a pet lion, man. That's going to be cool. Go in your backyard and go check this out. I mean, think of playing fetch with a lion. Won't that be weird? Go get it. And he takes off and runs and comes back. That will be a little bit weird, but it'll be the way it is. So, I mean, think about that lion bolting towards you with a stick in his mouth or something. So. So look at verse 8. He said, The suckling child shall play in the hole of an ass. The winged child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So it will be a wonderful thousand years of restoration. It will be a time of man rebuilding the earth. We think sometimes it's just going to be instantly changed. The Lord's going to let man physically, tangibly rebuild the cities that were destroyed. So let's go look a little bit more. Let's look at nature. Go over to uh, chapter 30. I know that you know this, but I'm trying to get somewhere, so just run with me for a minute. Cut me a little slack. How's that? Go to chapter 30. Chapter 30, verse 26. This is a good example of what we have to look forward to. Now, we're in glorified bodies, remember, and there are natural people that are in the middle of this that we're ruling over. So, in verse 26 of of, of chapter 30, Moreover, the light of the moon shall be as the light of the sun, and the light of the sun shall be sevenfold as the light of seven days that the, the Lord binds up the breach of his people and heals the stroke of their wounds. So nighttime will be like our day right now. Daytime will be seven times brighter. How cool will that be? As a kid, you know, we played football every single day. After school, you played football. You played football till it's dark. And then you went onto a street light and you played kill the man with the ball because that's the only light you could find. So want to be cool? You can play football all night if you want to. I know what I'm going to do the first couple of months of the millennium. I'm going to play golf at St. Andrews. Then I'm going to be translated to Augusta and play golf. Then I'm going to play golf at Pebble Beach to be translated. I'm going to play golf in Hawaii. Then I'm going to come all the way around the globe because it will never get dark and I'll never get tired. Hallelujah. And I know we have this feeling of, do you think we really want to play golf during the millennium? Oh, you're right. When we get raptured, all of a sudden we become a zombie. I worship you, Lord. No, you're not going to lose the things that you enjoy. Because most young people think we're just going to be worshiping for a thousand years. And we will worship. You talk about honor. We will honor him. We will magnify him. But there are things you'll be doing during the millennium that are cool, normal, like roller coasters, normal. You ain't seen a roller coaster. Come on till you get in a millennial roller coaster. Won't that be awesome? Man, it'll be so cool. So obviously nature's changed. We know the longevity is restored to a thousand years. You've got, you got photosynthesis. It's probably like an oxygen-rich environment like before the flood. You don't know all the details of that, but you get little glimpses of it. And then we get closer and closer to what you and I will be doing. So let's go look at church. You said there'll be church during the millennium? Absolutely. Go to Zechariah. Right before Malachi, because you know where tithing is in Malachi, so go back. Go to Zechariah. <laughs> Go to Zechariah for a second. Let's look at church. Because I'm, I'm, I'm buzzing because I want to get to where uh, your job is in just a moment. Look at Zechariah 14. Man, it's such a good chapter too, so read it more later. Look at Zechariah 14. It's page 1049 if you've got a Bible like mine. So look at, ver- this, is real, this is very clear of what, what it will be like, of what church will be like. Zechariah 14, look at verse 16. It shall come to pass of everyone that's left of all the nations which came up against Jerusalem. So there will be people that make it through that latter part, and the Lord is going to require them to come to church. 
He says, which came up against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. It shall be that whosoever will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. If the family of Egypt go not up, they'll come not, they'll have no rain. Watch this. There shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So even during that thousand years with Lucifer bound, people, the Lord goes, I want you to come to church. And people will go, I don't want to come to church. And he goes, okay, no problem. You don't come to church. Don't get any rain. Don't get any rain. Don't get any crops. Isn't that crazy that there'll be heathen during that thousand years? How do you not like Jesus? He's glowing. His, his robe's too bright. I mean, think about that. Now, see, that it's getting closer. Now, that got quiet on me right there, so I just read that right out of the Bible. It, we're getting closer to how your job starts setting up for you. Amen? Because it's, it's not just poof. And we're all floating around. You've got natural people that reject going to church. And the Bible calls them heathen or unbelievers. Okay, hang with me a minute. Look how powerful Jesus is. <laughs> that I, I come to church as much as I can. I listen to John Osteen on YouTube. Listen to Kenneth Hagin. I listened to five John Osteen messages on YouTube the other day. Listen to two more. I'm constantly bombarding myself with the Word because I have to nourish myself. He's, Jesus is so powerful. You only got to see Him once a year and you're sustained for the whole year. Ooh, come on now. The Bible says that the second coming of Christ, all of a sudden right there in the temple, it'll be raised up a little bit and the waters will come right by him and the waters will go near Jesus and go out and heal all the waters of the earth. It just gets near him and it's quickened and made alive. He's not near you, he's in you. Come on. You've got a river. Oh, oh, come on now. You've got a river on the inside of you. You should be able to say, hey, I'll show you what the millennium's going to be like right now. Woo, hallelujah. Rise up and walk. So you see church right there. That's a little bizarre that people still under a perfect society. God's so cool. He's going to let man have a thousand years whether to choose him or not, even without Lucifer here to tempt him. In other words, people go, well, I did so-and-so. Well, the devil made me do it. No, the devil didn't make somebody do it. He, they did it on their own. Lucifer's bound. So notice the climate here. You're going to be preaching. Now let's talk about your job for a little bit. And let's skip over to Isaiah and we'll get to your job. Go over to Isaiah because I've got to get, get rocking here. You guys are so easy to preach to. Just preach all night. All right. Do it. That's cool. All right. Isaiah. Look at Isaiah 60 something. Look at Isaiah 61. We'll just, we'll, we'll, we'll only get to where we want to get to tonight. It's just taking me a while. Look at Isaiah 61 verse 4. They'll build up the waste places. They'll raise up the former desolations. And they'll repair the waste cities and the desolations of many generations. I like that. So there's going to be a very natural thousand years with Jesus ruling from Jerusalem, Jesus on TV, and you and I in glorified bodies implementing this kingdom. So during that time, okay, now right now in this present dispensation, you've got principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, wicked spirits in heavenly places. We, you know, people got weird about that in, in the 80s, about trying to pray over cities and all that. But you see an influence of, of regions where there was darkness. The devil's just copying the Lord's pattern for the millennial reign of Christ. Because you're going to have influence over a certain amount of regions. You're going to have influence over a certain amount of cities. And Paul said, why in the world would you go to court when and you're going to be judging angels and ruling over these people. Like that's going to be your job during that time. It's the exact same word that the Lord raised up judges to rule over the earth. So we have a wonderful uh, future coming. Now let me get to this next one and it's going to show you what you're going to be doing. Go to Isaiah 65. Isaiah 65, page 834 if you've got a Bible like mine. 
Look at Isaiah 65. Look at verse 20. This is wild. Verse 20 of Isaiah 65. There shall be no more thin than infant of days, nor an old man that hath not fulfilled his days. The child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. They'll build houses, they'll inhabit them. They'll plant vineyards, they'll eat the fruit of them. So here, a, a natural body person at a hundred years old, if he's not born again... He dies at 100, and he's a curse. He goes to hell. But you see the, the believer that's in a natural body, this is what's going to happen to him. Let's say, <laughs> let's say he likes motocross. In the old days when we used to jump motorcycles, we would put up in the tree a T-shirt with blood on it, how high we jumped. And we were crazy. I'm so glad my mom didn't know what we were doing. But let's say in the millennium, a natural body guy starts jumping, and then he starts flipping on motorcycles, but he hits the jump, jump wrong, and he's a natural-bodied saint. Natural-bodied saint. All of a sudden, he hits the jump wrong and breaks his neck and lays there and starts dying. You've already seen it in a vision. It's called a word of wisdom. You go, hi, your name is Alan. You shouldn't hit that jump like that, but watch this. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. It's in you to raise people up. That whole thousand years when people do something crazy, you'll be there to raise them up and go, man, not in this dispensation. So the natural-bodied saint will live that thousand years out because you've been implementing the kingdom everywhere you go. You have a, you have a natural-bodied person, a saint, that he's changing a light bulb up on a ladder and he slips and falls. You walk right through the wall just like Jesus. Hey, Doc, Great to be in this dispensation because I'm one of the glorified ones. Rise up and walk. It's in you to raise people up. That's why we're frustrated. We want to see more miracles. It's because you're not done when you're raptured. Because, see, that's we're tasting of the powers of the world to come. Hang with me just a second. Just, just run with me mentally for a minute. I was preaching in California years ago. I took my daughter with me. She was a senior in high school. And I came into this church in Southern California. And uh, for some reason, I was so glad to have Lauren with me. She was 17 at the time. She's like 28 now. As we walked into the church, I had a vision. Remember, it's okay to me to have a vision. I'm a young man living in and out for him. Young men see visions, old men dream dreams. Amen? I've been having a lot of dreams lately. But anyway, so uh, not good. <laughs> not good at all. I walked in, and, and with Lauren and I, as we came in, I had a vision. I saw this man. He looked just like Robert Redford. He had his hands around the pastor's throat upside down like he's over him. And I told Lauren, I said, man, there's a guy in the church. He thinks he's over the pastor, and he's got his hands around the pastor's throat. And, and Lauren goes, wow, that's weird. Right about then, the pastor came in the back door as we were sitting in the back room, you know. And I told him, he's a good friend of mine. I said, hey, man, there's a guy in your church. He looks just like Robert Redford. He's got his hands around your throat upside down. And, and that friend of mine goes, that's exactly right. We're supposed to start another church. And that guy told me, I'll not let you start another church. That buddy of mine undid the collar of his shirt and showed me the rash on his skin. He said, I'm under so much pressure because I'm trying to start this church. And I'm supposed to, and I can't do it. Well, you know, I, I, my Lauren and I, our daughter, walked in the side door, you know, and I came walking in. I saw the guy who looks just like Robert Redford. I, said, I didn't do this. Just say it the Lord. He who looks like Robert Redford, don't try to control the pastor. <laughs> no. I said, Lauren, there's a the guy right there. I got up and preached about the plan and the purpose of God for the pastor's life, that you can't control that, that it's in him to build and to plant, and you need to run with that. Take advantage of that. Don't stifle that. And the presence of God fell, you know. And God put his stamp of approval on what that pastor was called to do. That's not the power of the world to come. That's tasting of the power of the world to come. So, so God can alter the course of a church with one word of knowledge. Think, alter the course of a church that fast. That's why we're in all this. God didn't just come in this to, to be spectators. We're supposed to learn this stuff and participate in it so that we can have harvesting tools and operation for right now, and then all of a sudden we're caught up.
Let's don't wait to get our glorified bodies till we start cooperating with the Holy Ghost. All right, I'll give you another one. How many of you know Michael Kalstrup? He pastors over in uh, Oakland, Iowa, right by Omaha, out in a cornfield. <laughs> and people get in those, the road, to the, well, the cornfield's there, and they kind of go to sleep and run into the building because it's like a tunnel, you know. And that cars have hit the building because they don't get the stop sign. They fall asleep and ran right into the building. So I'm on my way there one morning going, don't fall asleep, don't fall asleep, don't fall asleep, don't fall asleep. You know, you, you know what I mean? You're driving there, and it's all cornfield. It's just like this, like rows. All of a sudden, I had a vision while I'm driving. I saw that pastor. His name's Michael Kauser. Now, he's a normal guy. I've been there so many times. I taught his sons how to use their handbrakes and do 180s in the snow. They start doing it on dry pavement and ruin the hubs of their wheels. So every time Mike, Mike introduced me, he goes, Joe, ruined my son's hubs. I said, no, I told him to do that on the snow, not on dry pavement. So on my way there that morning, I had a vision. Remember, it's okay for me to have vision. I'm a young man. All of a sudden, I see Pastor Mike flying a Cessna 210. It's an overwing airplane, and he lands on this runway. And a young pastor came out to meet him. He got this little uh, uh, outline. He walked over to him. He said, I'm going to help you not maybe make some of the same mistakes I have made, made. Next thing you know, I see that pastor take off in that airplane. I see him go and land on another runway. I can see the cracks on the runway. Another young pastor came walking up to him. He took the same outline. He said, I'm going to help you not make some of the same mistakes I may have made. Next thing you know, boom, I'm back in my car. Thank you, Jesus. I haven't hit the building. So I'm like, well, here we go. So I preached a little bit that morning. I said, Pastor Mike, if this means something to you, good. If it doesn't, forget it. I could miss it by a mile. I said, but you'll have your own airplane. You'll use it like a car. You'll fly around this whole region, and you'll help these young pastors not make some of the same mistakes you may have made. He got up, uh, he got up and smiled. He said, what did I say last week from the platform? I'll have my own airplane. I'll use that plane like a car. I'll take it all around here, and I'll help these young pastors. Now, I didn't even know he was taking flying lessons. He sent me a picture of the Cessna 210 he bought. So next, Rayma asked him to be a regional director, and guess what? He flew from Iowa up into North Dakota, up into Minnesota, used that plane like a car. Now, see, God's trying to bear witness to the plan and purpose of God for that pastor's life. And see, that's not the power of the world to come. That's tasting. See, we're so on the edge of what God has for us forever. See, because we have the mentality that we're going to be raptured. It's just going to be... No. You're going to be doing all of this for that next thousand years. Let me give you one more. I won't keep you long. We'll go in just a second. Let me give you one more. Everybody looks to see what time it is. What time is it? 8.35. We're, it's not too bad. Man, I sure love the presence in here. Uh, 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 oh, I'll get into that here in a minute, but I want to keep moving for a second. Whew, wow. Colleen and I and Lauren had, were, were, had come to Tulsa a few years ago to go to Winter Bible Seminar. And I went to, over to a friend of mine's house for my nephew's birthday. And it had a kind of a circle drive. And as we pulled into the house with a circle drive, there were cars all in front of me. So I came to a stop and I told Lauren and Colleen, I said, you guys go in that window door right there because I think that's where we're supposed to go in. But I couldn't go forward because there were cars there. So I had to back up in that circle drive. And Colleen and Lauren, I didn't know, they had looked into the window and saw some kin folks and they stopped. I backed the van up like this and ran over my wife. My wife starts screaming bloody murder. I mean, cats and dogs start coming, kids start coming around. My wife is laying on the ground screaming. I pulled the van forward. I got out of the van. I knew I knew what happened. I could tell that was the most blood-curdling scream I've ever heard in my life. I thought, oh, my God, I just ran over Colleen. So I walked over to her. She's, it's not good. <laughs> she's laying on the ground. I mean, she's screaming. And Because what happened was the edge of the tire rode up her ankle and up her calf like that. 
So I run over to her. I said, I command you to be healed right now in the name of Jesus. And I said, get up. And she looked at me like, have you lost your mind? I said, get up. Well, she looked at me. I said, get up. I grabbed her hand right there. The power of God went up and down her body. She goes, my God, this stuff is real. The power of God went up and down her body. And she was instantly healed right there in front of us, standing there freaking out over running over. I went to go into the birthday party and I was like going, nah, nah, nah. I was twitching, freaking out. I mean, my brain, my brain sees, you know, all the stuff that can happen. But see, that's not the power of the world to come. That's tasting. See, that, this is what you'll be doing all the time. Because natural people are going to be living natural. But guess what? God's raised up a whole group of saints mm, to operate just like Him for that whole thousand years. And you're the forerunner of that right now. Let's don't wait till we get there to start doing this. So we have a season of, of, of harvesting tools to use right now. So all of a sudden we can yield to the Holy Ghost, cooperate with the Holy Ghost. Because Jesus is just about to come back. Two things he said don't be ignorant about. Number one, the coming of the Lord. Number two, gifts of the Spirit. Why? Because right before the coming of the Lord, the church will have an outflow mentality. It's called thoughtfulness. You want to get ready to cooperate with God? Thoughtfulness. 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 I think I'll do Elvis on that one. Thoughtfulness. Thoughtfulness. I thought Pastor Mark was going to have some scarves last night. He could have played just throwing scarves at everybody. Wouldn't that have been cool? Go back to Revelation 20. We've got to close. <laughs> you know, Colleen and I walked into that birthday party. I was twitching and, and, you know, freaking out. Colleen had no pain. She flew back to California. I flew to Daytona to preach. Never any pain at all. His name means miracle. His name means divine intervention of the ordinary course of nature. Come on now. So if, if this is the beginning of what we're going to be doing, think of how blessed you'll be during that thousand years. So go back to Revelation 20 real quick. We'll we'll close with this. Revelation 20. Revelation 20. This is still absolutely bizarre right here, but this is still Bible. Revelation 20, verse 7. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. He'll go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth and encompassed the camp of the saints about the beloved city. Fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Wow. So you see, even with you operating like you're supposed to operate in the full capacity, people still rebel against him. I don't know what you find wrong uh, with Jesus, but people still rebel against him. He even tells you where they go. They go hang out in Russia. They go up toward Gog and Magog and hang out. And at the very end of the millennium, they come down and go, they're so crazy, deceived. We're going we're to kill the, the saints and kill Jesus. We're going to try just like the Antichrist. Uh-uh. God does rat-a-tat-tat with his baseball bat. And... Uh, that's the last rebellion we see in the scripture. And then after that, man, you got heaven. God gets a U-Haul. He renovates the earth. And he takes a U-Haul and moves heaven down to earth. Man, I hate moving. That's a serious move right there. I mean, I don't know what the preparation for that is, but buddy, that's a move. I mean, he's moving his universe down here to the earth. So just think how awesome he is, that he's going to move his universe down here to the earth, renovate the earth, and you'll have the new Jerusalem, you'll have, you'll have earth forever, you'll, it'll just be cool. It, we, have, we have such wonderful things to look forward to. The whole purpose on getting into end times is for you to have joy, to have expectation, to have renewal of hope, to have a wildness in your heart that you're not done, you're just a beginning to do everything you're supposed to do.
Hallelujah. What an investment in this generation. That right before the coming of the Lord. We got in this in 1970. I remember my mom, my pastor in California said Joe had a drug problem. I did. My mom drugged me to church. You, we went every night. I think about it. In nights, we, I didn't really want to hear Kenneth Hagin, but, but he, you and my mom would go, we're going to go hear Brother Hagin in Pittsburgh. Let's go. We're going to go hear Brother Hagin in Philadelphia. Let's go. Why? Anything to get out of school. So look what God has done with your lives, all of your lives, how God has resurrected this group of people that know who they are in Christ. No other generation has thought like you think. Daniel saw you. He prophesied about you. He said you'd know your God. You'd be strong and you'd do exploits. So that's, it's in this generation to do some radical things that are way beyond. Really, you're finishing the book of Acts, but in such a style, it's resurrection style. It's a victory style. It's a joy style. You should mock lack, mock disease. Get so radical about what Jesus did that you're functioning just like Jesus. I said it last night, and I'm stopping right now because I'm preaching too long. Last night, there was, there was a presence in here. You could almost, I've only had it happen two times, to where, where every single person in the building was healed. I was at Pat Murray's church in Dayton, Ohio. I don't know how many people they have in their church, but it's, it's a bunch. And I had a vision. I was trading off services with, a, what's the guy, Dwight Thompson. We, I'd go preach in Cincinnati, and I'd come back. He'd go preach in Cincinnati. And as I walked in, I had kind of a mini vision. Now, and I'll make this real short because I, I want you to come back tomorrow. Because we've all been in the meeting when Jesus had left the building and the preacher didn't know it. Amen. <laughs> He's gone. He, he, we waved goodbye and the preacher says, I tell you the same yesterday. <laughs> so I won't, I won't keep you, okay? I do that because I won't waste your time. But in that meeting, I had kind of a vision of laying hands on backs, you know. And I thought, wow, that's weird. So I called people to come down and had back trouble because that's real common. And about 300 some odd people came down. I mean, the, I'm talking the people lined up all the way around. I said, now I'm going to take off running. I'm going to lay hands on you and you'll be healed. I said, this is just the way it is. So I, I did just like I did in the vision. When you've already seen it, it's pretty easy to act it out. That's a word of wisdom, piece of cake. I took off running, laying hands on, on backs. People, a couple of people were being held up like that. Power fell. Everybody gets healed. Next thing you know, I'll go over to a person in a wheelchair. Time for you to get out. Boom, got out. Go to that person in a wheelchair. Time to get out. That person get out. I looked over it, and my daughter Lauren was laying hands on this person that had crutches, and that person threw the crutches, fling, like that. That person took off running. I didn't know it. Pastor, Pastor Pat got with me later, sent me the stack. People that had cancer in their brain, not, not words of knowledge called out, seemed like every single person in the room that was there was instantly healed. No fanfare, no cameras, no, you know, we'd almost think we think it has to be like this, you know, and I tell you, here comes the, no. That, one of the time, this was in this room last night, and I just almost, it's just God's got something special for your church. I was in that meeting in, in Marietta in uh, California, and I had a word of knowledge. I said, there's someone here, you got damage in your calf, it looks like varicose veins. But it's not varicose veins. And this man yelled out, damn, that's me. He cussed, cussed out loud. The whole church could hear him. <laughs> and uh, I was like, wow, okay. And, uh, <laughs> come on down. <laughs> he goes, I got hit in the leg. And I told him, it's like a two before it hit you. He said, I got hit in the leg. I was at the Home Depot and it split my, my, my calf. And they're going to repair this vein. I prayed for him. No big deal. And uh, then they brought this man down. That, uh, uh, I didn't know this. He was a drug addict. He had no, ki- had t- no kidney function at all. He's sitting there on the front row. I said, hey, man, get up. Heal people all to get up. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, look at me. He wouldn't actually look at me. I got on the floor and I got underneath him like that. I said, get up. You're healed. You know, next thing you know, he got up and started doing the chicken and the swan. 
he really did. And uh, he goes, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. And I was like, wow, okay. So uh, prayed for some other people. And in that service, the pastor got up and said, every single person that's prayed for is instantly healed tonight. No fanfare. But see, people prophesied that about right before the coming of the Lord. And that, that's, that's on your church. There, there is a corporate grace on your church. See, it's called believing. See, that right now you're living when everybody's critiquing everything, checking everything out. Oh, yeah? Well, let's see it. See, that's skeptical. That's skepticism. That's critiquing. Most churches I go into, I've got to mow over that to even get people to even be with me a little bit. Not in an ornery way, but to try to resurrect people's thought pattern to believe that God can do anything. That, that He's great and He's mighty and He loves the impossible. But I'm telling you, you got 15 years of the Word that's been taught you. It's in your church to believe for things that are wilder than you've ever seen before. I, I'm talking about crazy wild. Like you got the, the train stop, you got a train walkway, you got this, you got you got the back door swings open, and you got church going 24 7. Pastor Mark's got a bullhorn, folks. Every single one of you, Mark chapter five. There was a woman with the issue of blood, suffered many things. I mean, he's walking around the parking lot with a with a bullhorn. Next thing you know, he hands off to you, and you go two hours. Next thing he hands off to you, and you go two hours. Next thing you know, you got church going twenty four hours a day, and you have a season of radical harvest. Hallelujah. You've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Think about that. We actually pulled in here at the very end of the church age. So we have this mentality of harvesting souls quickly because we're about to leave. So we don't fit church into our life. It is our life. Now, I just, I'll say this and we go, you, you're going to have little uh, stickers on your doors in heaven and on your house in heaven, little stars, midweek people, uh, middle of the week people, uh, like you're going to get extra banners from when you're faithful to do the will of God. He wants to bless you. He wants to encourage you at the reward seat of Christ. He's going to reward you even for your, your motive of your heart. It's going to be gold, silver, and precious stones. You don't want a lot of wood, hay, and stubble. You don't want a bonfire at the reward seat. <laughs> you don't want to check that out. That ain't good. Go, woof, no. So, so, so make your life count right now. Make it count. Make it count. And I'm just saying this not to belabor the service. you got 15 years of a wonderful, strong, normal foundation. Not, not twisted in ego, not twisted in I'm going to manipulate this, but, 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 but righteously presented to all of us. And what that produces is a strong believer, a hopeful believer, a healthy believer, and a very healthy church. We hope you enjoyed this message. Find our other messages on iTunes or visit our website at lcboise.com and follow us on social media, Life Church Boise. Thank you and have a blessed day.